Welcome to the Razan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 37. I'm Joel Payne from Resound Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from Engage Worship. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be catching up on the songs for Sunday's launch, dissecting the classic song, Good, Good Father, and discussing how to write worship songs based on Jesus' teaching, as well as responding to your posts, tweets, and emails. Sam, we're back. It's episode 37. We're hitting the ground running. Yes, we've been away, but we're back. And we're ready to do a load of these, so get ready, people. Yeah, where have we been? Uh, I suppose it was the summer, wasn't it? And we had holiday, and you've been busy with the whole album thing. That's true. I can't multitask very well. Even in extended periods, I can't multitask very well. (laughs) So, yeah, I've been completely... Uh, well, we'll come to the album. We'll talk about that in a minute. We may have mentioned it before, but we'll certainly give it a plug now. Um, apart from the uh, those various bits and bobs, how's that um, whole life worship stuff going? Yeah, really good, thank you. We had a big um, Saturday event in Balham, which was really well attended. Uh, people were really up for it. It was um, the third of the Saturday things we've done. We've got two more this year, one in Harrogate. So if you're in the north of England, we're coming up to you. Uh, on the 21st of October and then our final one for this year is going to be in um, High Wycombe on the 18th of November and then we've even got bookings for next year already including going to Belfast Belfast I'm very excited about that's cool yes yes we're going to go I went there once it rained for 48 hours oh really true story they've promised us beautiful weather oh that should be fine (laughs) they've guaranteed it they're going to get like planes to blow the clouds away and stuff that is the kind of um, caliber of conference that you're putting on these days. Oh, that's brilliant! That's exactly. Great. I, I saw yeah. someone at church on Sunday actually who uh, said that they had come across your stuff. They were talking about you. They couldn't remember. It was quite nice actually. They were talking about you, but they couldn't remember the name of what you did. They couldn't remember your name. They couldn't quite remember what any of it was about. But they'd actually spent quite a lot of time looking at it. Did did, did they remember Jesus? Because that's that's what we and you know we aim for is that they don't remember us, but they remember Jesus. Oh yeah, I expect so. I think so. It was a nice <laughs> conversation, and they were talking about how they then found a link through to stuff about our album and our concert and so on. Um, I'm I'm now in that mode where I hope all of those kind of conversations end with me selling a CD, but it didn't happen this time. <laughs> but I just I clutched them as I talked to people. <laughs> yeah. So we've been yeah of course. So we it's the well the big songs for Sunday's launch um, release happened last week. All eleven brand new songs um, and released to a fanfare. Ba-ba-ba. And uh, yeah, it's sort of there's a bit of me finds it a bit anticlimactic um, because. You sort of do all the work building up. And I've been working furiously because we've produced all these, I mean, more resources than we've ever done. So with piano scores and choir scores and um, full recordings with much more complex and expensive than the ones we normally do, but also these videos where we filmed the guys in the studio playing their parts and they explain them and all these different resources for all the different songs. Um, and, yeah, it's been quite exhausting. And then you hit the point where you've released it and you think, ah, oh, what happens now yeah yeah but i think what's great i mean we found with whole life worship is you put it out and we had like a launch event and and all of that and you kind of go oh so come on then people feedback and you sort of expect this immediate feedback and of course actually yeah it takes people a while to to engage with it and use it in church and all of that and then you know as you say that over time then the feedback starts to come back and you realize the thing has a life you know for you you probably feel like it's going to have a life of a week because you know that you put yeah. so much work into it but actually it's going to have you know many years of kind of you know being fruitful i think i hope so yeah absolutely of course i hope so so we've got we're gearing up for those launch concerts we've got those at the end of this week um i'll do, let me just plug them because if anyone is kicking around on thursday friday saturday or sunday of this week which uh, if you're listening many years in the future i'm afraid they've passed and they were brilliant but if you're listening <laughs> first up first thing then we're in lst in northwood on the 5th of october and we are emmanuel church in loughborough on the 6th we're at st mary's in tacaster on the 7th and we are in st cuthbert's in fullwood in preston on the 8th and they're all at 7 30 you can find stuff on our website about them um they're all in the uk nobody has invited us yet to australia or um Azerbaijan or anywhere else so but get in touch if you think you would like a launch concert uh, I'll see what we can do 
could be tricky. So Sam, you know, obviously you listen to the the album a little bit over time. What's your yeah. current favorite? Have you got a current favorite? Oh, um, I really like. Um, I really like the the one that is. I think the most different on the album, which is the communion one by Geraldine and Kerry and Joe and uh, Judy. So it's a real kind of collaboration. Um, and yeah, I think it does. It does sound quite. Um, the way they've written it is quite unusual for a worship song, but I think it mm. works really well. And there's quite an extended instrumental section in the middle, which is beautiful. I think. Cool. We're looking forward to using that in the in the concerts, and we're going to we're going to do a thing. We're actually going to have communion, and we're going to try doing some spoken stuff over the instrumental sections, and then dipping in and singing the verses and so on. I think that'll work. I think that'll work really well. Yeah. And um, we actually got. How about a, you? What's your favourite? Uh, okay, my favourite. Uh, things I don't do favourite Sam I, I just know it's the right sort of question to ask um, <laughs> what's the one that's been going around in my head so uh, probably the most recent one that's been going around in my head is May the Grace um, by Mark Bradford yeah. which is just simple beautiful yeah we, we sang we had this um, we had a members day last week for all the resound all the jubilate writers we got together and we had a brilliant lecture from Professor Jeremy Begbie uh, which is really yeah, was thought-provoking, inspiring, challenging. Um, and at the end, we sang this grace. And we actually, uh, in slightly off-the-cuff and impromptu, we decided to walk around uh, just shaking hands with each other as we sang this grace. Because it's quite hard, isn't it, sometimes? You, when you when you say the grace in church, you sort of, some people look around and stare, and it can feel a bit awkward or strange or but there's something I think about singing it where you sort of sing along if you can remember the words and then in between look back at the screen and and you're sort of it's a bit less of kind of looking in people's eyes and trying to get a nod and just more of a fluid <laughs> thing. I find it I don't know how well, you were there, weren't you? I find it quite moving. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. So anyway, so the CDs are now available. You can buy them from our website. You can get all of the songs from iTunes and Spotify and those kind of places. And there are charts and scores in abundance for each song. Um so come and check this out there's lyric videos there's tutorial videos um c and b flat instrument parts we've done all kinds of stuff and the whole point of this whole album is it should be really playable and reproducible in your church i don't mean your church yeah. sam i mean the collective your well not the, the plural <laughs> your in the church of you many yeah. people listening um we would love to hear how you get on with them so do get in touch um that yeah we'd really like to like to hear about the songs being used because that's what they're for Let's move on to some correspondence. Um, we haven't had so much in this last period, but I wanted to just follow up on one thing um, that, that joins up what we are just talking about and some correspondence we had last time. Do you remember we had that conversation about female songwriters? Um, and I think that's a challenge yeah. we are definitely trying to take on board and think through and work with. Um, but one of the things we, we talked about is the sort of the female role models and um, the way that a lot of... Um, we talked about how... Uh, a lot of prolific worship leaders are men and so on. But our research, which we did put into this project for Songs for the Sundays, said that there are more female um, worship leaders than men, certainly amongst the ones that we're yeah. working with. So we thought, well, we need to give, we need to showcase that. So we deliberately made songs on our album that were written by men be female-led songs. Um, and we tried to take vocal ranges into account. But I think this is one important thing that we did, and I... And I I feel like we keep on breaking the mould in little ways. Quite often what happens when mm. somebody says, we're going to put this, we're going to make this a female-led song, is they drop it by six tones or something. And yeah. so it becomes for a power alto to sing as opposed to a power tenor. Mm. But actually what we've done here is we try to write songs and set them at what we call congregation pitch, which is kind of within an octave or so. Um, and so we've got Jenny and um, Ellen who sing them for us. And they actually sing a bit higher at the kind of pitch that might be sing that kind of falls in that range. So if you're really setting it as a performance, you might drop it a little bit lower. But they sing a bit higher, but they sing it beautifully a bit higher, and they use yeah. their voice in a slightly different way. Um, and I think it's a great. I I feel like that's a good example of saying you don't have to have this polarization between a male pitch and a female pitch. Actually, you may have to adapt your voices though to sing together. Yeah, I think it works really well. And I think that the, the other thing that I noticed you did on the album was using more um, group vocals rather than harmony vocals. Mm. So 
that actually you have a you have a lead um you know often by a lady on the on the cd and then a group vocal will come in for the chorus and they're not necessarily singing harmonies um, but that seems to me very accessible for churches and, and more realistic to how probably a lot of churches uh, are actually singing the songs yeah absolutely so we asked you on um social media and other places give us a little album review tell us what you think here's a few um one or two of these actually were unprompted they're just what people said so johnny on facebook said this is a new group to me and i'm really liking it no pretense to rock stardom just good contemporary worship songs well done i like that i like that as a review that's good nice. uh, mm. michael said, this is very well done. The instrumentation is polished yet organic. It's refreshing to hear a variety of instruments apart from the standard modern five piece. And I can see the thought behind the songs given their thematic order. One of my favourites so far on first listen was the communion song. Now, does he mean your communion song or does he mean the one that I was talking about? Well, exactly. Because there are two. It's intriguing, isn't it? One wonders, but we can, can... We can only assume it must be mine. <laughs> I think you can just claim that now for yourself. <laughs> I might just claim that one. I suspect it might be the other one. Um, <laughs> Daniel says, why is there a blue dog looking over the back of the piano? <laughs> and if you look closely at the cover, I sort of see what he's getting at. There, there is a plant pot and it does look a little bit like a blue dog looking over the back of the piano. I mean, that's quite nice. I expect that's probably because true to life in some churches. All of God's, all of God's creation is, you know, worshipping God. Yeah, through, through yeah, everything that has breath, including blue dogs, including blue dogs on pianos. It's a very good observation, Daniel. Yeah. Um, Greg says, listening to the album here at New Scottish Hymns HQ. I think there might be a little plug. The songs <laughs> all seem really accessible for church worship teams and musicians with nice, open, unintimidating arrangements that I think players of most skill levels will be happy to try. Greg has had Speaker Lord on repeat inside his head for the last four days and is going mildly loopy on it. Good job. Excellent. Thank you, Greg. Well, we'd love to hear some more. Send us some more reviews if you're listening to this. Pen a, sh a brief review, uh, send it to us, and we'll read it out. We'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. It's time to dissect a classic. Dissect a classic. Now, for this dissect a classic, we're actually going to come quite up to date. And uh, this is what happens when you use the CCLI Top 25 as your guide. It's probably worth saying, I think they're changing the way they do the UK list because there suddenly appear to be more recent songs in there than we've had in the past. Um, mm. And certainly a few have come in that are, are much more recent. So the song that we're going to look at today is one of the most popular... Uh, one of the most popular in the world, if not the most popular, I think it has been in the States for the last two or three years, is Good Good. I think it's been the top of the, the CCLI there you go. in the States. There you go. Well, this is very relevant there then. And it is Good Good Father, which I'm going to assume that people know. But it, it is one of those ones that's quite new. So you may need at this point to pause the um, the podcast if you're not 100% up to date on these things and go and search for it on YouTube. Um, but I suspect, given how popular it is, you must have come across it. Uh, what can I tell you about this? It was written by Pat Barrett and Tony Brown, or Anthony Brown. Um, and I found one or two places where there are um, interviews online where they talk about how it was written. I remember Aaron Keyes mentioned it in the interview with him that um, that he heard it quite early on connected with his work with 10,000 Fathers. And um, they both just talk about it being something that comes out of their experience, either of, of Pat saying about his experience of becoming a father and his relationship to his children, he's saying he's got a two and a four-year-old, or, or Anthony, who actually grew up without having a relationship with his father, and that this was a the sort of the core bit of it. You're a good, good father. Was a, a, a kind of a tag that that um, Anthony was using in worship for quite a while, just sort of dropping it into things in in amongst other songs before it actually became the song that they wrote together. Uh, as usual, we're going to just throw in a few uh, things that make it really work as a song, and then a few things that we think we would improve. So, uh, shall I go first, Sam, or would you like to? Go for it. Okay. Go. I've got a few. I, I've got probably slightly more than usual, just because I want to run through them quite quickly. Um, so one of the first things is this device of having a delayed chord change. So just holding the same chord for a while before you change. It builds atmosphere. And then moving to chord four, which you do, which is the second chord, it kind of continues that sense of atmosphere because you then get a bit, bit of movement and a bit of journey in it. So that's one key thing. We discussed it before. Second thing is, I think think i'm right in saying it's got a five note vocal range do you think that's right sam i think it's mm. i mean the, the verse has got something like a three note and then it just hops up a couple more for the um for the chorus and then the the bridge yeah, but basically it sits and and the only other song i can think of that's been so successful and does that is light of the world 
Um, yeah. Here I am to worship. So there's got to be something in that. It, it's a song everybody can sing because the vocal range is so small. And I don't imagine anyone ever sings it thinking, oh, man, this is narrow. I don't feel like I can express myself with it. No. Really do. No. Um, the third thing is I think it's just got – it has got one central idea, um, which is which is the, the stuff – which is essentially the stuff about um, – the fatherhood of God and our identity as his children. I think identity is, is such an important part of our, um, of our faith, of our understanding, just our understanding of who we are in God. Um, and the, the idea that our identity is actually very simple and it overrides all other identities. I think that's something that tries to enforce. And then the final thing I want to point mm-hmm. out, and this is, it almost surprised me as I began to think about it, um, that I was, that I was commending it is it, it uses very familiar worship language uh, it's one of those things uh, through it through a lot of it through the key key parts of it um and sometimes i'm beginning to think that just helps us because we say ah uh, do you know what? i can just i can sort of switch off my brain a little bit <laughs> i know what this is saying i can i can access those emotions that go with this quite quickly and i can return to that place of thinking or understanding or or feeling or whatever it might be that connects with these particular ideas so some of the stuff just repeating the you're a good father and i'm loved by you and, and so on yeah the familiarity of worship language there is actually a strength there and i suspect that excellent writing managers combine some of that familiar language with the innovative language so that you get stuff that mm. you slip into and other stuff that arrests you as you go along uh, so there's my 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 well it's five things four or five things what about you sam um yeah I, the thing that i like the most is i've probably heard this used more as a sort of tag than the whole song i think i've heard people use the chorus on its own mm. Uh, without the rest of the and I think particularly the chorus um, made me think a lot about uh, I don't know if people have uh, read any of Henri Nguyen's um, books Uh, I just recently read The Return of the Prodigal Son which is one of his and also uh, before that I'd read this book The Life of the Beloved and a real theme in his writing is this idea that like you're talking about our identity that, that at the core of who we are is to know that we are we are beloved by God, and you can think of you know Jesus coming out of the the water at baptism, you know, and mm. God saying, "This is my beloved Son," and then you can take that sort of theologically that actually we are we are also able to say Abba Father with Jesus because we have the Spirit in us and we're drawn into that relationship and yeah we're loved and I, and I I think that that idea is really strong. It's not particularly a, an idea that I've seen in a sort of contemporary worship song. But I think it's the kind of truth that we really ought to come back to. Um, I, I think, you know, in my own devotional life, it's something that I come back to to sort of almost regularly remind myself, no, who I am is a beloved son of the father. That's more foundational than whether I'm successful or whether I'm theologically correct or whether I'm creative or whatever it is. Um, actually, this this is the heart of who, and I think that, you know, it's who I am. It's who I am. Is is trying to say? It's trying to remind the singer. Look, this is this is fundamental. Great, thank you, Sam. Now, uh, what we also do is we move on to what would we do to improve the song, or what we might we have done if they'd brought it to us in our resound worship songwriting group. Sam, do you want to do you want to kick this one off for us? What ideas have you got for improving it? Okay, well, as I say, I, I'd heard the 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 chorus and I. I quite liked it. I thought it was different and I, I liked the, the sentiment behind it. And then I heard someone lead the verses and I was in the middle of a worship time and I kept kind of being tripped up by what I felt were really sort of weird lines, really, to be honest. <laughs> um, things like, you know, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. Okay, so you're sort of talking about maybe what the world thinks who Jesus is. And then it says, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. Now, that's not language that I would talk about Jesus or God. Yeah. I mean, that sounds more like you're talking to a, a girlfriend or a, a husband or whatever. Um, so that's the one I tripped over. And then I tripped over um, particularly the, the sort of tag. Oh, it's love so undeniable. I can hardly speak so unexplainable i can hardly think and the sort of hardly speak hardly think i mean firstly i would say that 
that's rarely my experience. I get that maybe in a very kind of charismatic, intense experience, people could say that that's what was going on. Mm. But it does. It doesn't seem to me. There's a lot of the song that I feel. It feels more like um, a performance song. It feels like someone's personal, yeah, experience. And when you then try and put that on the lips of your whole congregation, I, I just feel like if it came to us at Resound, we'd be like, "Hmm, that might be your experience." But is it everyone's experience? And how easy is it for people to to connect with that? I mean, the thing about I can hardly think. Yeah. That just really worries me. That makes me think either that God is slightly abusive or that, you know, we're not supposed to use our critical faculty. I, I, I just find I really trip over those lines. And I guess given that it's like number one in so many of the, you know, CCL charts means that a lot of people don't trip over it. But, I, I you know, I think I think it's a fairly divisive song. I think a lot of people kind of love it or hate it. So. Yeah. I'm probably not the only one who thinks that. Yeah, I, that's my I, that's my issues with it, really. Those are yours. Well, I wrote down exactly the same ones, actually. <laughs> so that's interesting. I mean, and we've talked. It's one of the things we try to be. We're trying to say when we look at these songs, trying to say what is making this a classic. Why has it really taken off? Why is it sung everywhere? Um, and I think we've picked out some of those things um, to do with you know, the various things that we've described. But it's true. I've never chosen it. And I can't imagine I would, but for, for exactly the same reasons. I think there's a... I, I agree with the stuff about the language in the opening. It's a sort of... Yeah, it, it, it's... I suppose it's supposed to be sort of poetic. Um, I, do, I mean, I, it's funny, isn't it? I do go into my, my son's too. I go into his room and I sit there and I whisper to him how much I love him in the night. So I guess it's... Mm. That's that is real. I mean, it's exactly what I do. I mean, I'm not sure he's heard it, but um, he doesn't usually <laughs> stir. I, mean, I sort of hope that he has heard it in a way, and maybe some of it comes with that. But what, what I would say concerns me more is the sort of that there's a sort an an implication in that verse that your own experience of God is the only thing that matters, and so. And I'm not sure, like I said, I don't know if that's what they're trying to say, but you could draw from that. You know, don't read the Bible stories or don't read the other stuff because you know, people are always trying to tell us about God, but you can't until you right. read them yourself and then you know. And I'm not sure that's what we believe as Christians. Oh, so that's, uh, okay. So the, in a way, the, the stories aren't just, because I was thinking the stories were like, you know, the secular atheists or whatever telling us, but you, you're saying that it's, it's ambiguous enough that it, you could read it as... I mean, I don't even know what the stories are. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Mm. And yet, actually, the, so that's really interesting. The idea there, painting that picture of... A, which I totally understand and identify with, of a father who comes... And I presume that's the picture of comes and whispers to his children and, as they sleep in the night and, and tells them how much he loves them and proud of them. And so, you know, I well up even thinking of it. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me you're pleased. Tell me I'm never learning. This is exactly the stuff I say to Huck. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'll, you know, I'll always look after you. Even though I know I can't really, I know somewhere I'm going to have to let go of that promise because I won't be able to always look after him. And yet God can. Yeah. It's powerful. But, oh boy, I think there was probably a a, a, a clearer and yet more poetic way of putting it, potentially, to try even, and express that. Even things like, I've heard the tender whispers of love. If it said, I've heard yeah. your tender whispers of love, because you've already said what they think you're like, so why not say, <laughs> but I've heard your, which would at least yeah. kind of connect the your of the first line with the with the sentiment of the second line. Um, yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's one of those things where people say, oh, but everyone knows what, what, you, what they mean. But I think it is pretty ambiguous and... To yeah, the extent yeah. that it, it trips me up, that's I guess that's what what bothers me. Yeah, I and I think in that other, I mean, you, the other verse that you mentioned, the um, uh, oh, I've forgotten it now. Hard, I love hard and I peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I guess in that context, basically, we do all get it. We, I think, it's pretty clear what it's trying, what it means. I, I don't think it's brilliantly put. And, I, and again, it's the thing that just puts me off singing it because I think I'm going to get to... If I were in the congregation, I'd get to the... Well, I have been. And I get to the line, I just think, oh, really? Um, 
even though I sort of do understand what you're trying to say. And a part of it is me as a songwriter, I guess I'm sensitive to this, and, I, and an editor, yeah. let's be honest. I do a lot of editing with Resound. And the thing is, oh, it's love so undeniable, da-da-da-da-da, peace so unexplainable, da-da-da-da-da. You could put almost anything in those second halves of the couplets. Yeah. They're not building the song. No. It's the lines before which are powerful and strong. And so you could have just kind of wrapped them. I think that's, I just kind of feel like that's the editor's job. Uh, it's the songwriter's job as well. So this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's a song which uh, I guess both of us have difficulties with in various ways. And yet at the same time, I suspect if I just sat on my own and listened to it and sang along, to it, I'd probably find it incredibly edifying. Um, and I think there are different, perhaps different roles for songs. But yet it has homed in on this thing of identity as the beloved, of the beloved. Mm. Um which is incredibly powerful and something I think clearly we'll need to hear and, and resonates and and builds us up as we sing it. Yeah, yeah. I think we haven't mentioned, but I, I do, I love that because you're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. I think uh, mm. some people uh, criticise this song and I, I get, I, I get the, the issue with repetition that, you know, it does matter what you repeat. Um, Mm. but I feel like this is trying to do repetition in such a way that it's trying to remind us and trying to let that drill down into our hearts um, so that bit that bit doesn't yeah. that doesn't bother me There, you've seen the cartoon where the, the guy goes up to the and says uh, ah you're the you're the new pastor it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm the worship leader it's who I am it's who I am there you go. Anything that is good and successful is open to parody, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. I think you have to take that as a... Basically, if a cartoon travels the internet parodying one of our songs, Sam, we'll know. We've made it. Finally made it and we can retire. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what it's. That's what we're aiming for. <laughs> no more of these podcasts. <laughs> we'll be off holidaying in the Bahamas. Yeah. Is that what that... I'm sure that... No, don't, yeah. Anyway. Great. That's good stuff. Uh, so that's the classic summarily dissected. Classic. We're going to move on to the workshop and our final section today. And we're going to uh, try and look at the whole theme of writing a worship song based on Jesus' teaching in the Gospels. Um, and this was... Um, we thought we'd look at this because, Sam, you did a really interesting interview um, last time with Nine Beats Collective about stuff around the Beatitudes. Yeah. You want to just tell us a bit about how that has launched this idea? Yeah, so um, if people haven't heard it, they should really go back and listen because it was I've, I really enjoyed talking to Mark Scandrett and Heather Lynn. Um, and it was a great interview. Thanks, mate. I really enjoyed doing it. And what didn't come across was that Heather Lynn was all one word. <laughs> <laughs> Until you told you me did, to correct you it did, in the you did podcast that, notes. Yeah. Well, but I now did know. Did you think so I was I constantly talking to her by her second name? It's like me saying Jopane. I just thought... Jopane, Jopane. Yeah, I just thought maybe when you talk to Americans, you just <laughs> go a bit more formal. <laughs> no, that's oh, her name. Carry on. She's like, you know, Madonna or whatever. She's just a one-name person. Yeah. Anyway. Just a one-namer. Um... So, yeah, they talked, uh, particularly Mark, was talking about this idea that uh, the early followers of Jesus were called the way and that Jesus offered, uh, yes, salvation for sin and an eternity with God, but that there's also this in-between bit between our salvation and our eternity with God, which is, you know, how we live our lives in the world and he was saying that a lot of Christians wouldn't know how to articulate the way of Jesus and maybe that the Beatitudes offering us a summary of the way of Jesus and it's sort of it's not just you know good news if you're poor or if you're mourning but actually it's for all of us to think actually how can I live in such a way that I am aware that I'm poor in spirit that I'm aware that you know there are things in the world we need to mourn that I'm aware um, you know of this kind of posture towards life that the beatitudes offers mm. so that got us thinking i guess about how much are our songs reflecting the teaching of jesus and actually i think if you if you were to analyze a lot of worship songs there would be a lot about um well christmas songs about his birth and there'll be a lot about mm -hmm. his uh his death on the cross his resurrection his yep you know eternal glory but there's very little 
that actually, I mean, we we could do a whole um, one of these about you know his acts and his healings and his um, parables. Yeah. But, but just the, the teaching of Jesus, the how he um, encourages us to live in the world. I think we yeah. just don't have songs for that. And and I think it's probably partly to you, you may have other other reasons, Joel, but partly to do with the sort of separation that often you'll have a time of worship. And then you'll have a time of teaching and maybe we expect the teaching bits to go into the sermons. But maybe we ought to recognize that, you know, people remember the songs they sing maybe more than the sermon. Um, And so shouldn't we be having some of that sort of some of that teaching content to some extent within our songs? Yeah, I I agree. The the issue, I think, and I, I bang on about this a bit, probably too often, is about how are you singing in church, I think. It, it narrowly saying singing is simply for addressing God in some celebratory or emotional way. Yeah. And not singing is for, t- I mean, and it's so difficult. So you, you read the new Testament, you can't just set, you can't just have that because you know, Paul, when he, he says, sing songs to each other, he's saying yeah. in a context of rebuking and encouraging and all, you know, all these kind of things. So um, we've, our, and, and I should say that, Sam, you and I both probably move in the kind of circles of kind of mildly charismatic contemporary Christian worship, which is a you know, it's a particular genre. And there are different styles of worship all over the world and different traditions. I think they're still going on. But mm. you know, sort of the tradition with, in which we find ourselves, which is a pretty common one in this country, certainly. Um, it, singing has become a sort of eyes closed, arms raised thing. And I honestly don't. I, I think that's fantastic. And really helps us. I think it is real worship, but I also think singing can do so many other things for us as a community and as followers of Jesus. And I, I think that's a big part of the issue. Mm. Um, but we sort of, so one of the things is you change your model in terms of what you do and you sing in different ways. And, you know, I mentioned that thing earlier with the, the when we did the grace and we walked around shaking hands because actually it's a sort of a, it's a prayer that sh- we're sharing with one another. Yeah. And trying to find a way to enable us to do that that didn't feel too cringy. I mean, I probably did feel cringy for some people. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So um, I was looking for a couple of examples of this in kind of, I guess there are other um, traditions to the, the charismatic one you're talking about. Uh, one is a hymn by Horatius Bonar. Don't know if people are familiar mm-hmm. with this hymn writer. Great name. It's yeah. a good name, yeah. And... Um, he uh, wrote a hymn called I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say, which people might be familiar with. Um, so I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down my head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. So in each of these verses, he takes a little bit of Jesus' teaching. So come unto me and rest. Or verse 2, uh, I give the living water, thirsty one. Verse 3, mm-hmm. I am this dark world's light. Uh, and then in the second half of the verse, the the singer says, um, I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn and sad. I found in him a resting place and he yeah. has made me glad. So it kind of responds to that bit of teaching. And that's the structure for yeah. all of all the three verses. Uh, and I mm. thought that was a that was a really strong idea because it gives you a bit of truth from Jesus, a bit of bit of teaching. Yeah. But then it also says... And when I do that, so it's got the kind of inbuilt response, um, then this is this is the result of it. Yeah, it's a sort of in a way, it's a sort of bridge between maybe what we're more used to and what we the extreme we could go to in terms of the the teaching ideas. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the other the other one I found which was quite similar, um, but maybe does do more of the ethical teaching is by John Bell of the Iona community. Uh, mm. They're famously good at. Uh, including the life and the ministry of Jesus within their songs. Uh, it's yeah. part of that whole kind of Celtic, uh, very earthy spirituality, very incarnational spirituality. So their song is a very similar title. I heard the voice of Jesus calling. Um, but in each of the verses, there's a bit of Jesus teaching. So I heard the voice of Jesus calling. Here's what he said to me. If you don't let me wash your feet, I can't your savior be. No, I can't your savior be. Um it also includes what you do for the least of these you do for me. Um, I will your deepest prayer. I will fulfill where two or three agree. Uh, I come mm. that you may know the truth. The truth will set you free. 
this is my body given for you why don't you taste and see so it has this sense of jesus kind of teaching throughout each verse Mm. yeah great so um I've come up with a few little ideas, and Sam, I think you can probably chip in on this, about how you could take something. So say, for example, the Sermon on the Mount, because that connects with the Beatitudes that we talked about. It's full of ethical teaching, which is just you know, it's teaching about how you should live. Um, and um, can we draw on that? Can we build some worship songs from it? And I've got a few ideas for how you could do it in a way which might sit, I guess, reasonably comfortably within your within within that kind of traditional framework we were talking about before um the first is to find the teaching but connect it to the life of jesus and so an excellent song i can think of which does this is that that graham kendrick song which we i guess we often cite because it's so unusual but it's Mm. the uh, all the room was hushed and still so it tells the story of the um of the last supper and jesus washing his disciples feet and it goes on to a new commandment i have for you that you love one so basically love each other one another in the way that i have loved you and it goes on like that so that actually your focus in the song becomes jesus rather than us and then you hear his words as a natural sort of extension of his life and i think you could do the same sort of thing you could look at some of this teaching about um judging others or prayer or or other stuff and see can you relate that actually to can you make your song about jesus whilst also getting across that this is how he lived and this is how he taught so that's one Mm. one suggestion i think an example of that is one of your songs joel is um listen to the words of the risen christ because that sets it very specifically you know this is the words of the risen christ you're 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 almost incredibly explicit about you know this comes from a particular point in the in the story Mm. um but it has you know you 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 then go on to say you know peace be with you come and see the the holes in my hands and in my side um and then you know come with all your doubts because it's time to believe and then you know the sort of sending nature of the of the chorus and you know mm. you're working really closely with the text there and you set it in a context but then you sort of start to apply it to any listener anyone singing that song um, and I think people should go and listen to that and see what you've done with that because I think that does exemplify that that kind of idea really well. Listen to the words of the risen Christ Peace be with you Come and see his hands and the wound in his side second one is that i was imagining i've just done a sermon on um we've just had a sermon on matthew uh matthew 5 the bit that that is um you've heard that said love your neighbor and hate your enemy and so on um now you could try and write a song which says love your neighbor hate your enemy diddly diddly ding and so on um or quite often in these sections so i just looked at that and that's in matthew 5 and you home in right to the middle of it and there's a sort of a there's a because line quite often in all of them and in this case it's the um do all this so that you may be sons of your father in heaven he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous and that is the underlying principle and idea that's behind this teaching so actually you could focus much more in on that as a characteristic of god and who he is and even you know try and quote some of that verbatim in some way so that what you do is rather than make it a standalone teaching thing it's something which in its sort of worshipful essence supports if i preached on that then that would be a natural song to sing afterwards even if it doesn't repeat all of the love your enemies and, mm. and st- stuff but focuses in on that characteristic 
of God. And I, th- I thought as well, you know, the stuff about the, the Lord's Prayer, when you stand praying, don't be like hypocrites and so on. And actually the little, the key verse in there is, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And that's exactly actually what it says in Good, Good Father that we talked about earlier. Um, yeah. You know, you know what we're going we're to ask for even before we speak. So that would be another way um, of picking up some of that teaching. I, I suppose what the benefit of that is, is it's quite a winning way of getting this stuff across because there's a danger with kind of Christian moral teaching that it becomes a list of do, do's and don'ts. You know, you must do this, yeah. you mustn't do that. And actually what you're saying is get to the heart of uh, how this reflects, you know, who God is and what how he works in the world. Um, I guess a, a, an equivalent might be if you wanted to talk about, um, you know, the importance of meeting together in fellowship. You might say, well, yeah. actually, God himself is Trinity and he lives in eternal relationships. So we should be, you know... Um, echoing that in in our relationships another option is what you do is you make it a prayer so you actually rather than say jesus says this you could say it your your song could be lord help us to not judge in the as we're not judged or we are judged that's a bit complex but you know or, or <laughs> lord um or a confession about the way we struggle with things so you basically it's kind of directed as a, a help us to do this um mm. Or it's a song of commitment that says we hear you and now we commit ourselves. Um, so an, an example, I just just pull out one that, that uh, on the Resound site, Jesus, you have called us, come follow me, take up your cross, deny yourselves and live. That's um, you know, it's instruction, directions of Jesus about how to live. And the chorus is, I will follow, I will follow where you lead. So it it's then becomes a song of commitment. So the focus of it is not so much hear this teaching, but but you hear it whilst the focus of it becomes a response either in prayer or in commitment yeah and i think this is this is is touching on something isn't it that a lot of um people are mentioning is missing which is uh songs that you know really concretely practically help us to respond hmm. in you know relating to i mean the, the whole life worship theme that that sarah and i've been you know banging on about um it requires churches to say well, how is this going to cash out on Monday morning in your job or in your home, or in your community? And so to have songs which, you know, prayerfully respond to some of the teaching of Jesus and, and call out to him for help or ask him for forgiveness or ask him for empowering for something quite specific, uh, I think those would be really helpful songs. Mm. And then my final category is do it as a teaching, learning stroke memory verse song and that's the other option is to say look mm. we're not gonna let's not be embarrassed about this a bit unapologetic and say this song is not for and i'm using this in a parody kind of way it's, it's not for eyes closed hands in the air it's mm. for eyes open reading from the screen and sharing from one another or from the sheet or whatever it might be it's for it's just to say look actually if we sing this when you sing stuff you get it in your head and you get it in your heart you get it in your soul um let's set some of this in a what, what is essentially, I suppose, and I'm thinking in adult terms, but an adult memory verse or an, a, a scripture learning song. Yeah. And I think sometimes we do that, but we're, we're much more keen to do it in the kind of scriptures which taught, you know, some of the Paul's letters or something, the, the glorious stuff in there. Um, but say, this is important. Let's set a tune to it. Something that, um, you know, at some point, hopefully we'll be able to tell you a bit more about. But Sam and I have been getting involved with a um, a project working with setting some some Bible stories to verse and then adding some tunes to them and i think that's the say that's the sort of idea but not just saying that's only for children but actually as adults um it would really help us as well seek you first the kingdom of god is it's an example um of a song that does that really well and is there something about that song that's quite haunting i think it's yeah um, it really is it really sticks with me and i've found that really to sort of it comes back to me in in you know difficult moments of no hang on you know seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you and it's it's a very simple melody but it's quite a haunting melody and it it does make you remember it and it also even though it's, it's essentially just a sort of as you say a sort of memory verse song in some ways yeah it is yeah it it functions i mean maybe the hallelujah part the sort of chorus part is is one of the reasons but 
I think that that works really well. And if we could, you know, strive to to be writing other songs that set some of these amazing words of Jesus, um, I'm sure that they could serve churches a lot. Yeah. So I think we'd be really interested to hear if other, other people want to um, send in and, and tell us about some other songs that fit this kind of category. I'm particularly thinking about the, this stuff of Jesus teaching, but we'd love to hear about them because I think there are. Um, I think it's a gap. I think I don't know if it's a gap in the songs that exist, but I think it's probably a gap in the songs that are sung. Um, and then, of course, that's the challenge. So that's it for this week. Um, we'd love to hear from you. As usual, get in touch. Do email us, podcast at resoundworship.org. Tweet us at resoundworship or Facebook dot com slash resoundworship.org um, go and have a look at the songs for sundays project there's loads of stuff kicking around for that either on our website youtube or on the normal outlets and then final thing for us to do this time is to introduce our featured song which this time is one of yours sam and uh why don't you just quickly tell us about it and then we'll we'll play it as we depart yeah i mean it's the a song called god our father um it's a setting of the lord's prayer I I think like a lot of you know a lot of the songs um on the album are settings of liturgy um and I feel that with the Lord's prayer as with many kind of classic prayers of the church um you can either go two ways with it you can either kind of drop some of these classic prayers as if you know saying them is just meaningless rote which means you lose these amazing words from your worship or you can use them every week, but to the mm. point where they do become kind of meaningless because you literally just trot them out because, well, we have to do it. Um, and so my aim with the song was to kind of keep as close as I could to the lines of the Lord's Prayer, um, but also to draw out some of the implications uh, of what the words mean and how they kind of apply to our lives. And then the chorus itself was a kind of tag that I'd originally just used as a kind of a, an intercession prayer tag. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And I'd encourage the congregation to kind of sing that out over situations. So you might have situations from the news or situations people think about, you know, where they're going to go to in their week, their work or their um, community. Or uh, it could be, you know, situations with, even within your church, you know, things you're praying for. But to sort of picture those in your mind and then sing these words out as a kind of sung prayer asking for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in those situations um and then what I'm really pleased with the with the recording is the way that it does the verses it does those choruses in a fairly quiet way and you could use those as prayer but then the final and the kingdom and the power and the glory it really kind of ramps up um mm. and it becomes a real kind of just a moment of of worship i think in the you know in yeah. that sense of kind of really kind of glorifying god and saying yes the kingdom the power and the glory are yours forever and ever um yeah so i love the way that that's that's come together on the recording oh brilliant and do you know what i think i'm right in saying there's a load of organ stuck in the background there so rather than pile on the electric guitars and the synths at that point we put on the organ and that gives it all the uh oomph that it needs i said that really badly because just came in to say hello hello gorgeous Hello! I'm on the headphones and I'm talking buddy. to Sam, but he can't hear you and you can't hear him. So let's just say, here you go, now you can hear. Say hello, hello Huck. <gasps> Who's that? Oh, you've done a poo as well. He's coming to me all day. <laughs> He's waving to you, Sam. Hello, buddy. Sorry.